Good morning, everybody. Uh, this morning's sermon is for people that have finished the 40 days back on track. But maybe you're not all the way back on track. You know, if you are, and you are exactly where you want to be spiritually, then encourage the rest of us. But this is a sermon for those that are growing, changing, but haven't arrived. You know, when I think about this, I, I think about my diet. I think about how much I hate my diet. Um, you know, I've been doing P90X. And uh, in the last week, it started aggravating uh, my left shoulder. Uh, had surgery on it two years ago. You know, and so you get shoulder pain and then you start thinking, yeah, I don't really like P90X anyway, and now it's hurting my shoulder. You know, I've lost 12 and a half, 13 pounds. Is that good enough? You know, I could just wear vertical stripes because they have a slimming effect. So now... You know, no more P90X because my shoulder's not worth it, but I'm going to have to do it through running and biking because i got to get there. I'm not all the way where I want to be, and I don't want to stop. You know, I like food. I love food. Last night, there was all this great food in front of me, and I ate carrot sticks and one chicken wing. And the whole time, you know, and you're watching people eat, you know what I thought? My goal is 185, but I'm actually seriously entertaining going to 175. Because if I get to 175, then I can pig out for 10 pounds <laughs> to go back to 185. I thought, and that would be a glorious 10 pounds. That's how, that's how I think. So that may be completely unrelatable to you. But that's, that's my battle. That's why I hate diets so much. But I, I ran a lot and biked a lot this week. You know, in your spiritual life, you are facing battles like that. And you're like, I really wanted to be connected with God. I wanted to be on track. And I was growing and I was changing. And you know what? The 40 days are done. And I'm not where I want to be. This sermon is for you. You know, Tim talked about what Jesus went through and his friends went through. And in Luke 22, I want you to imagine yourself sitting amongst the Lord. And Jesus looks you straight in the eye and says these words. Simon, Simon. He repeats your name. And he pauses. And no one else is in the room. You feel the eye contact with Jesus. And he says, Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. You know, it's awesome when you can finish 
a 40-day series and you go, that was amazing. I changed every single thing I need to change. I'm so glad we did that series. I am right on track. I'm perfect. I can't think of a single thing to grow in right now. But you know, then there's other times where 40 days, it didn't get the job done. In fact, maybe partway through, it surfaced issues that at day one you didn't even know you had. And here we are at day 46. And you're saying, Satan wants to sift you as wheat. He's saying, what's in your heart? Satan is going after you. But I prayed for you. You know, today is an amazing day in our family, as Cheryl shared. Um, to have Michael make the decision to come back to God, it, it's been a three-year journey. And, you know, there's passages in the Bible that mean a lot to you, and then when you live out certain events, all of a sudden they mean more. And uh, I want to spend a, a chunk of our time over in Luke 15. And look at the parable of the lost son. They call it the parable of the prodigal son. But I want to start in chapter 15 and verse 1 and 2 to see why Jesus told this story in the first place. Verse 1 and 2, Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That was the interaction that prompted these parables. The tax collectors and the sinners were fired up. They were so excited about the possibility of sitting at the feet of Jesus, of learning what he wanted from their life. And the most spiritually educated men of the day, the Pharisees and the tax collectors, muttered. And he said, look, he welcomes these sinners and he eats with them. You know, they had missed the whole point of the ministry of Jesus. There they were with the Lord and they had completely missed the point. You know, who knows all that Jesus had taught them in the sermons leading up to that interaction, what they'd overheard. Maybe they'd heard 40 days back on track. And you know where they were at at the end of it? Oh, look at him. He's eating with the sinners. What kind of guy is, is this Jesus? They were out to lunch. Their heart was in the wrong place. Jesus was right in front of them, but they were so disconnected from him. And Jesus tells them stories. And the third one he tells starts in verse 11. It says, There's a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. 
So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him to field uh, to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, the story begins with the father having two sons. Now, what's amazing about this story is what we normally think of is the younger son. But that's not why he told this story. Why he told the story, and we're going to get there, was the disconnect of heart of the older son. Normally when we think of the prodigal son, we're just focused on the young one that went off and squandered his wealth and wild living. But the real point of the story was the one that stuck around whose heart was disconnected. The Pharisees and the tax collectors, they knew better. They knew the Word of God. They had Jesus right in front of them, but they were disconnected from the heart of the Lord. You know, the last three years have, have taught me a lot about myself. And I've read this story many times, thinking of my oldest son, and praying and begging God for the day when he would come back. You know, as a minister, I've dedicated my whole life to helping people get to heaven. And I remember the decision he made three years ago, and I remember the pain of thinking everything that matters to me, he's chosen a different path. And I remember days waking up, going, I believe that I could still preach. But I didn't really feel like preaching. I didn't want to. I didn't want to answer phone calls. I didn't want to minister to people. Because the pain that was in my heart, and you try and preach a sermon and all you can think about is your, your oldest son. You know, I had so many hours of conversation with Ron Quint, Jerry Sugarman, John Mantle, and many of you as well, working through living the Christian life when the pain doesn't go away. And if I've learned anything over the last three years, it's this. God calls us to do well through the pain. I remember John Mantle talking to me and saying, Ron, there's things as a man of God that you need to learn and you need to go through, and this is the only way you're going to learn it. And I said, well, I'd rather hear stories from other people. I remember him saying, you need to be faithful even when it hurts. It was such a tough lesson for me. Because so often the prayer I wanted to pray was, God, make the pain go away. But it didn't. I think pain is something... All of us go through at different points in time. It could be emotional pain, spiritual pain, physical pain, financial pain, career pain, education pain, and whatever else is causing you hurt right now. 
You know, and there's just certain things in life that you wish at the end of the 40-day series, the pain was gone. But you wake up and it's still there. And if we're going to connect with God, we've got to make a decision to do well spiritually through the pain. A passage that's meant so much, and you can put your uh, marker here in Luke 15 because we're going to be back, is 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there has given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, too often I found myself going, well, I can really be faithful if I don't have to feel the pain. And yet, that was never what God called me to. And it's never what God calls you to. God didn't call us to do well when the pain goes away. He says, we need to do well through the pain. And it's what Paul's talking about. Paul's saying, hey, get rid of the pain. I don't want to have to feel this. We don't even know what it is. You know, the Bible didn't tell us specifically. You know why? So that you and I can relate to it. Because if he told us the specifics, if ours was different, we'd go, oh, see, I can't relate to that verse. But since it's left generic, whatever you're feeling, just substitute it right here. God says true spirituality, true power as a Christian is when you do well through the pain. Now, think about the ultimate example of this, our Lord. Think about the things that he said when he was on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He said to one of the thieves, Today you will be with me in paradise. One account he prayed, Into your hands I commit my spirit. At one point, he he quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In another gospel, he says, dear woman, here is your son. And looking at John, he says, here is your mother. He said, I am thirsty and it is finished. There's not one of those phrases that you would ever have known the amount of physical and spiritual pain he was going through at that moment. It hurt. He died from the injuries he suffered. And yet he cared about his mom. He cared about a thief on a cross. He cared about the Romans that had crucified him. And his heart went out to them in the midst of pain. 
I believe the, the question for us this morning isn't, are you feeling any pain? But are, are you doing well through the pain? It's so easy to want to say, I will as soon as the pain is done. Yet that's not the lesson God wants. And it's been a long journey for my heart. Now, I don't think I got it all figured out, but I'll tell you what, I've come a long way. So, and I really pray for each one of us that we make a decision to connect with God. That we stop praying, God, take away the pain. And we start praying, God, stay close to me through the pain. Help me to overcome in the midst of pain. Give me the humility and the faith to be your man or your woman through the pain. That's where God wants us to be. Go back to Luke 15. The story continues. Verse 17 to 24, when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while I was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. You know, on uh, Thursday, Michael... Sent us the text. He said, Mom and Dad, they're going to they're gonna <laughs> announce my restoration on Sunday. You know, I thought, I thought of this passage. Because reading it again and again and again through the months and the years, I often thought, when this day comes, how will I be? And there's days, you know what I thought? That talk's going to be hard because there's a lot of things I want to tell him. I want him to know how he made me feel. I want him to know the pain he put me through. I want to know the sleepless nights, the pit in my stomach. And I thought, okay, and I'm going to tell him this and I'm going to tell him that. I'm going to tell him this. And then I thought, you know, and then, and then it would be really hard because then he's going to tell me his life's journey. It's going to be hard to hear those things. You know, and I read this story and I think about the son and I think about, you know, all the crazy things his son did. And he comes up with his plan and he executes the plan. And he comes back to the father and the father completely ignores everything the son said. He's like, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm sinful. I'm this. I'm that. And he's, he just ignores it and says, hey, quick, we got to throw a party. Like, well, how could he say that? You know, I remember a few weeks ago when when Michael came back to town and he sat down with us. And and he just said, Mom and Dad, I'm studying the Bible. 
because I want to get restored. And then he, he just walked through his last three years. And I remember, you know what? All I could think of the whole time is I just wanted it to be done so I can hug you and tell you I love you. I, didn't, I, I honestly didn't even care what he shared. I remember talking with one of the brothers, and he goes, that talk must have been really hard to hear those things. And I go, you know what? It, it really wasn't. I was so happy that when he got done, Cheryl and I just hugged him and wept. and said, we love you. And you know what hit me as I was thinking about this lesson? Is, is when your heart is connected to God, how easy it is to forgive. That's what I thought of. But this is, this is what God did. This is the parable. This is the response of God. Let's celebrate. I was like, you know, I, ne- I didn't ever imagine that that was going to be my response. But, but three years of getting deeper and more connected with God, that's, that's where I was at. And I believe it was a good one. You know, where did, where did the son find reconciliation with his father face to face? Eye to eye? You know, it wasn't the theory when he was in the pig pen. It, it was in the talk. Face to face. God didn't put him through the ringer. But he had to have the courage to go there. Now think about what the Bible teaches in Hebrews chapter 4. Turn over there. Because when we're a mess spiritually, the last place we want to go is to stand eye to eye with the Father. All our insecurities come out. That's why the Bible tells us what we're about to read. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So when you're in sin, you know what we need? We need mercy and grace. But you know where we have to go to get it? We need to approach the throne. We're not going to find grace and mercy running from the throne room. We're only going to find it eye to eye with God. You know, God's message to the Pharisees and the tax collectors was, Hey, I got a heart for you. And I'm thrilled that my lost son is coming home. And it's the same message for you and I today. When we're in sin, God says, hey, come to me. Come to the throne room. 
Because you know what you need right now? Grace and mercy. But you've got to come here if you want to get it. It takes courage. It takes honesty. To go stand in the throne room of God. But that's what we're going to find. Mercy and grace. Final lesson I learned back in Luke 15 is the danger of God not being enough. Luke 15, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And you see the disconnect with the older son. What was it? The father wasn't enough. God is saying, all I have is yours. You're always with me. But that wasn't enough. You know, what's interesting is how Jesus phrases the words. It is purposeful. You know, even the servant goes out and he goes, hey, what's going on? And he goes, your brother has come back. He said, I'm not going in. The father comes out and he says, this son of yours, look at what he's done. You know what the father says? Your brother has come back. We had to celebrate. You know, it's amazing. Is only when God is enough are we free to focus on other people. And at any point of our spiritual life where God is no longer enough, our focus becomes about ourselves. You see this in marriage. You see this in households. You see this in discipling relationships, mentoring one another spiritually. It's like, how can you give to somebody else if you're thinking of yourself? But if God's enough, I have what I need. That frees me up to meet other people's needs. Yeah, the older son, he was missing out. God wasn't enough. You hear his words, I've been slaving for you all these years, and I never disobeyed. You know, when God is not enough... That's how we start feeling about Christianity. Instead of a want to, it becomes a have to. 
Do I got to go to Bible talk? Do I got to go to midweek? Do I got to go to devotionals and retreats and women's days? You know, when God is enough, that's exactly where you want to be. Because that's the thing that fulfills you. I love what uh, Proverbs 30, verse 7 and 9 says. It says, Oh, Lord, two things I ask of you before I die. They said, here's what it is, God. Two things. Give me neither riches nor poverty. Because if you give me riches, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? But if you give me poverty, I may steal and dishonor your name. And God was enough for this man. He said, you know what I need to be happy? Not too much, not too little. Just you, God. Is that what we pray for? You know, it doesn't fit with the gospel of prosperity. But I I put before you that wealth does the heart more damage. in the society we live in than anything else. You think about people who are wealthy, most of the time they're self-sufficient, they're independent, and even though the needs are present, they have a hard time admitting it. Why? Because look at my life. I've made it. I'm important. Look what I do at work. Look at my house. Look at my cars. I don't need that. I remember uh, once in downtown Toronto just sharing my faith and I was a businessman, and I walk up to him and I said, excuse me, I would love to in- invite you out to my church. And he goes, like, really? And I go, yeah. But he goes, can I ask you a question? And I said, sure. And he goes, like, why did you pick me out? D- did I really look like a guy that needed this? And I said, Yeah. And he just shook his head and walked on. I mean, he he was so offended. Like, I don't need that. Look at me. I'm successful. I don't need that. When God is not enough, Satan will come to the table to start bargaining. You know, why did Jesus tell this story? It wasn't about the younger son. It was about the heart of the older son. Oh, he'd stuck around in the Lord's presence for a long time, but his heart was disconnected. And God was begging for the connection. You know, when God is enough, you end up immune to the bargaining. Like if you're not hungry, the most amazing food can be in front of you, but you're like, sorry, I'm not hungry. I would love to eat it, but I'm not hungry. That's not tempting because I'm full. You know, spiritually, life is the same way. When God is enough, oh, Satan, why, why would I want that? 
You know, God wants us connected to him. Remember the conversation we started with? Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat. You know, God is at work in our lives. Satan knows our hearts. God wants that intimate, close connection. And he will not stop until it's achieved. Are you stuck? Are you hurting? Are you not connected with God? Let me tell you three quick things. Number one, spend more time with God. More time. And that's not like, you know, oh, good, 30 seconds more. No, more time. You say, how much time? Until you're connected. You know, Philippians 4 says that that if we present our request to God, that that peace that passes understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. You say, how long does it take to get to that point? You know what I find? It's a different amount of time depending on the day or the circumstance. There's times where in about 30 seconds, I feel that. And then there's times where you go and go for a prayer walk and pray for 30 minutes, and it's like that one just bounced off the clouds. I mean, it's good that I prayed, but my heart feels unchanged. You know what that means? I need more time. Spend more time with God until you're connected. Number two, be honest with God. Now, somewhere along the way, uh, we thought that it's good to say really reverent prayers. You know what? No, no parent wants dishonest conversation from their kid in the name of being reverent. You want to know what's going on. If your kid comes home from school and is hurting and you can see it in their heart... And you go, hey, what's going on? I'm fine. Holiest father. You're like, as a dad, you don't go, oh, good, they didn't tell me any problems. Woo. You're like, oh, I want to help. I want to be connected. Share it with me. I can help you. I'm your dad. I love you. That's what God is saying. How honest are your prayers? God is the place we're supposed to dump all that, all of our highs and lows. David's amazing. He wrote half the Psalms. He got some Psalms where he's like, God, you're amazing. He's got other Psalms. God, these are my enemies and I hope you kill them. That's a pretty bold prayer, you know, and it's recorded for us to read. Let's be honest with God. You're supposed to work out your heart with God. It's where we go. So spend more time. Be honest. Third and final practical. Serve somebody. You go, well, I don't feel connected with God. Yes, serve somebody. If you sit around and think about yourself all day long, you will, you will always come up with problems. 
It doesn't get you anywhere. You get more discouraged. Why don't you take the same amount of energy and go encourage somebody else? The Bible says he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. When you give to others, it changes your own heart. You know what Satan will tell you? No, you're not in any position to help somebody else. You wait until you're happy and connected to God. And then once you're feeling perfect, then serve. Well, what if Jesus would have done that on the cross? No, until these spikes come out, until these wounds heal, no forgiveness for anybody. No paradise for you, thief. Sorry, Mom, I'm in pain. No love from me. And Roman centurions that crucified me, Father, don't forgive them, remember them. Keep them out of heaven even if they try and repent because I'm in pain. That was not the heart of Jesus. Say, will you connect with God? Now, I really pray that each one of us will make that decision to do well through the pain. That we'll see that God's forgiveness overflows. And thirdly, that God will be enough. We do those things, we'll be connected. You say, I'm not where I need to be. That's okay. That's okay. God is still waiting in the throne room. Go meet with Him eye to eye. And get the grace and mercy that you help in your time of need. It's all about a relationship. God wants us connected to him heart to heart. Let's put these things into practice if we live our spiritual life together. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a final song.